it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordane Searles and we're back for the holidays. We're back for December. I said that we would not go on another hiatus and I didn't lie. It just kind of happened organically. But we're back. Caroline is not on this episode. Sometimes Caroline won't be on episodes. They are a very, very busy filmmaking person and I am very proud of them. But this week... I am joined by someone wonderful who I actually became aware of just by reading a writing on Screen Slate. I'm Veronica Fitzpatrick. I'm a, I'm a film critic and scholar based in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh my God, Rhode Island! What's it like there? I've never, I've never been. I've always been curious. Is that where the, Brown is? That is where Brown is. That's where I'm working, and it is the Paris of New England. It's beautiful. Really. <laughs> Okay. Honestly, yeah, it's really small and I've only lived here for like a little over a year, but I'm really fond of it. I think it's beautiful. It's really walkable, which is critical. I don't have a car. I don't drive. So that's a big thing for me. Oh, shit. Really? It's walkable. See, Mm -hmm. nobody ever said that. See, that would be a reason to move to Rhode Island. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I can imagine a list called like reasons to move to Rhode Island wouldn't be super popular, but um, to work at Brown... And be in a place where you can, like, get around the whole city. And before this, I was living in, like, Finger Lakes, New York, which was also beautiful, but, like, fully in the woods, right? So this feels like a lot more cosmopolitan and connected. What was was in Finger Lakes, New York? Did you – are you from there? I'm not. No, I was teaching at Cornell for three years. So I was in Ithaca. Oh, that's where Cornell is. Mm -hmm. You are just so – fancy this is a perfect <laughs> film for you because it's about because it's about professors I, we haven't introduced a film yet the film that we are discussing this week is the 1996 romantic comedy the mirror has two faces directed by barbara streisand and written by richard lagravenese wow what a name and <laughs> that i just that's amazing i love that that's such a cool like my name is jordan searles like it sounds so clinical okay so this is based on a french film of the same name just like in french which i haven't seen the french film have you no me either Mm-mm. this is this was Barbara Streisand's last directorial film, right? Because The Prince of Tides was like 91-ish. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's right. Well, I feel like we should start by talking about Barbara Streisand a little bit. <laughs> I love her very, very much. I am the one person in my entire connected friend group that's just like, how have you not seen Yentl? When somebody hasn't mm. seen Yentl, I get very upset. Like, how could you mm-hmm. not see Yentl? The perfect thruple movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's that polyamory. So this film is just really wild. Like rewatching it, I was just like, I think it's because I'm older. I turned I turned 30 a few months ago. And so it like it hits different than when you're watching it in your 20s. And this cast, I mean, we have Babs, of course, Jeff Bridges, Pierce Bros. Isn't it the late, great George Seagal? Didn't we recently lose him? Yes, we did. Oh, did we? Mm. Yeah, we did. Lauren Bacall, Mimi Rogers, Scientology's own Mimi Rogers. Indeed. Oh, my gosh. 
wow her it's it's weird to see a movie with her because you know there's those some of those actors who were just like very very active for a small amount of time and then you didn't see them anymore like i don't think i've seen her since ginger snaps yeah oh wow and i haven't thought about that movie in a really long time yeah Uh, you should think about that movie it's great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just on an annual basis probably yes yes i watch it every year also she's great in that. the thing about mimi rogers is that like i despise her for being a scientologist and i also despise her for introducing scientology to tom cruise because you could say that that was a real yes. like start of darkness situation yes. but the fact is she's really good she's really she's so good. good she's at the height of her like sensual power in this movie she's just so like hot in this. brittle and <laughs> yeah. kind of like <laughs> dazzling yeah i love the idea that she and barbara streisand are meant to be siblings that they're meant to be the daughters of lauren bacall none of these okay. people resemble each other in any way i truly it just makes me wish that like i don't think i i might have mistaken but i don't remember seeing any picture of their father and i was just like would their father manage to like bridge the gap like what's (laughs) what's going on yeah well there is that kind of like not to jump all the way ahead but there's like that fateful conversation when um barbara streisand is asking bacall like you know questions about her how she thought of her as a child and because as the mother is like yeah you've always looked so much like your father <laughs> i'm like okay that is that the script's way of sort of making this make sense yeah i guess so like i <laughs> because we I just was buy like, it it's fine was, yeah yeah i mean also just like lauren mccall i don't actually no i don't feel like lauren bacall was jewish so there is also that where i feel was she i don't think so I don't think so. No, yeah, I feel like that's something. I feel like we would know that. I feel like that would be something that people would talk about if that was the yes. case. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a Michelle Williams in a Fableman situation where it's like, yeah, I guess mm. I, I buy it. <laughs> Have you seen the Fablemans yet? By the way, I haven't. No, should I? Yeah, it's really weird. It's very psychosexual. It's like the oh, most interesting. Inter- it's that's the like the most- perfect adjective to sell me on a movie. It's the most interesting thing that he's made in such a long time. Like I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. Also, also weird. Take this waltz. Um, oh no! <laughs> reteaming like, but instead of Michelle Williams cheating on Seth Rogen with another guy, she's cheating on her husband with Seth Rogen, which is... (laughs) Oh, revenge. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Uh, So The Mirror Has Two Faces. This is the kind of movie that I kind of want to do more on the podcast where something something for the olds, something for the (laughs) olds, as in I... Inside, I am an old, and I when I think about this movie, I I thought that this movie would like inform something about like dating at an older age. But I'm not. Yeah. A, I don't know how old. The thing is also is that I don't know how old anybody is supposed to be in this. Either. It's not referenced. I guess I always no. assume that Streisand's Rose is meant to be in her forties. Like I want to say between forty and. 46 something like that Mm. but in a lot of movies i'll think that and then i'll find out that the character is like 33 
and I'm 38. <laughs> this is basically like the experience I'm always having is thinking that characters are a little bit older than me. And in fact, they are significantly younger than me, but I just can't tell how old anyone is by looking. Okay, I'm checking the ages now, like in terms of, and of course, Babs, love Babs. Jeff Bridges is like seven years younger than her. We love that. We love that casting. <laughs> big fan, big fan of that age dynamic. <laughs> and God, Lauren Bacall, she's like her last movie, I feel like was, oh my God, my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time, Birth. love birth yes thank you love birth obsessed obsessed right and this is the perfect time of year to revisit it too it's such a like weird kind of cold new york movie oh my god and pierce brosnan is even younger i i love it i love i love babs just being like you know what none of this makes sense none of it i mean it could i don't know like the thing is that a weird thing that happened when I turned 30 immediately is that people in their 20s became obsessed with going out with me, like the early to mid 20s. And I just don't <laughs> understand. It's like there was like a beacon, like somebody like yeah. set out like a siren. Yeah. So you know what? I take it. It's probably totally realistic and we shouldn't and we shouldn't question it because I don't get it. And whenever a younger person talks, I'm just like, what is this child? Does this child mm. need their mother? What's oh, no. juice? <laughs> I don't, I Does just, I don't juice? know what to do with a 22 year old hitting on me. I emotionally can't deal. 22 is really down there. That's it's really right. That's right. Really why does there. it, why yeah. does it keep happening? I don't know you. I'm just like everybody that's young. I have a sister who is 15. And so everybody just wow. reminds me of my sister. It's like, you should oh, be dating my sister. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like in a few years you could date my sister. You need to. Mm. Isn't that or so they- weird about people in their tw- early twenties, right? Like I teach yeah. high school students in the summer who are between like 14 and 18. And it's the same thing. Like when I meet people who are in their early twenties, I just can't see them in a different register than my high school students. I'm like, you're still working out hormonal skin problems. You have a job for three months in the summer and that's it. <laughs> like, there's just something so childlike about it to me. Especially like when younger women hit on me. I'm just like, man, that it, I don't know if it's like my brain messing with me where it's just like mm. all I see is my sisters. And I'm just like, absolutely not. You can't. I can see how that would be kind of a deterrent yeah well something I love about mirror has two faces and I'm and I agree that this is something that hits more like the older I think one gets as a spectator with the film is this idea of like a cool but not cynical kind of spinster character I feel like we're made to expect that she's like not interested in romance that it'll be more of like a taming of the shrew type situation Mm. but with rose she's obsessed with romance she's totally down and it's just that she doesn't feel beautiful or she feels like passed over or something but it's not out of a sort of lack of receptivity to the idea of being like wined and dined um she might have problems with like the cliches of it but 
she's still like interested in falling in love. And I find that really relatable. Like the idea of being sort of like <laughs> older, single, living a life of the mind. Uh-oh. But uh <laughs> but still like open to something theoretically. Yeah, yeah. What's really interesting in the beginning is that like, you know, in a in a movie like this, how it would be made now or how it's made when it's mm. done like really not done well, is that, you know she has no options like there's nobody but in when the mirror has two faces she does she has barry played by austin pendleton and barry just keeps on trying to take her to dinner he keeps trying to take her to dinner and she keeps on blowing him off and i love that he's just like when he's getting blown off on the phone she's also like watching sports while she's on the phone with him which was just like She's watching Uh, sports, doing an Aztec clay mask, eating a snowball out of her underwear drawer, (laughs) canceling the date. (laughs) Every, every step of that, I understand. It would just be like replacing for me. I would be watching the show that I've been obsessed with lately, the Investigation Discovery series, Deadly Women, 14 Seasons of Women Murdering. Um, It's really terrible. And this is the first of many mentions of it, I'm sure. But it would just be me watching Deadly Women, drinking a Coca-Cola, eating a Pop-Tart, canceling the day. (laughs) That would be me. Yeah. Completely that last-minute cancellation. <laughs> amazing, amazing detail, critical detail. <laughs> that last-minute cancellation when I was re-watching it for this recording, like, totally modernized it to me because I was like, this is online dating now, is getting a cancellation transmission 15 minutes before you're supposed to be somewhere. <laughs> and I love the idea that he said he's going to be, like, banned from all the restaurants in New York for I know. canceling reservations so often. Yeah, he got too many, like, resi scoldings. <laughs> Man, I would just go by myself. Oh, 100%. Um, I would have looked a backup at this point. And also just, like, I, I love that she just doesn't have time for it. I feel like maybe it's because I'm 30 or be like, even though I'm not, I maybe I wouldn't immediately be interested in Barry. I would probably still go out with Barry and be like, what if he's what if he's packing? What if he has something going on? Like, I would have been interested. I understand that she knows what she wants and she's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I just kept on being like, I bet he's got a little something, something going on. Yeah. And she does sort of see it when she like spots him in the park, like halfway through the film and he's with his now brand new fiance. Like in that time, he's or like she's already been able to get married and he's already engaged with someone. Things are moving quickly. Yeah. But like the way he is with her, like so sweet and available and kind of like PDA in a potentially non disgusting way. She's yeah. very moved by that. Yeah, and I love the little adorable woman that he's with. The little, like I, lo- I love the totally. librarian look. I, 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 you know, I stand the library look always. Yeah, yeah. She reminds me a lot of Elaine May in A New Leaf, like that kind of. Oh yes, yeah. Secretly exactly. sexy, mousy kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <Woman>. <laughs> we just talk about her story. Um, yeah. So, Babs. She is a professor. What does she teach? Is it like it's literature? It's literature. A literature. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like she was teaching like a like a general humanities course. That's what it. She is giving a TED talk at Phoenix University. This is like not. This is one of the most incredible, memorable. Is she also at Columbia or is it a different school? 
He's she's okay. also at Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's t- in a in a six hundred person lecture hall. That okay? <laughs> Standing room only. <laughs> I could not believe it. She's giving this talk, and like the thing is, is that like I I totally buy that everybody would love her. She's funny. She's cute. She's charismatic. Why are there so many students in that class? What is going on? She's obviously just so popular that she's blowing the enrollment cap (laughs) and apparently they don't have a university-wide ta shortage at columbia like they do at brown so she's just like like, open door policy stand in the back fire hazard who cares also like she knows everyone's name how is that possible she's just calling these people this is one of my absolute favorite scenes like when she's hitting lines and we get a cut to a reaction shot of a allegedly a college student doing a little like fist pump of like affirmation to his professor insane it's and the uproarious applause I mean I wish this is what teaching college classes was like or working any job frankly but it's she she really not (laughs) she was doing a stand-up comedy set actually I know exactly what kind of this is the kind of set that you do at this this theater in New York called Caveat, where it's like mm-hmm. they do comedy, but it's also kind of educational. And to pitch a show mm-hmm. there, there has to be some kind of like teaching element. And there's sometimes there's like slides or something. It's that's oh my exactly God. what it is. Doing like a caveat. I've done a bunch of caveat shows and like wow. they're fun. Oh, you've never heard of this? <laughs> no, no. I know very little about comedy, honestly. Yeah, I un- I unfortunately have been doing it for several years and I'm never going to stop. I take breaks, but it always comes back. But yeah, I was getting very big comedian vibes from her. <laughs> totally. No, she knows her beats big time. Um, And so, yeah, she lives with her mother, Lauren Bacall. Jeff Bridges also teaches at Columbia. He teaches math and he can't get students to give a shit because he's boring but that's i've never met an interesting math teacher i don't think that's ever happened yeah i mean i i wouldn't know because i feel like i always took the minimum amount of math required to like get through any of my various educational hurdles but his classroom is really weird because it's not just that people are bored but there's also at least two women in the class who want to fuck him who are sitting sort of in the front just kind of fully gossiping about his appearance throughout the lesson. And then something for the Sex and the City heads, we see Skipper, who dated Miranda in seasons, I I think, one and two. He, I was so happy to see Skipper. Me too. (laughs) I'm like, that's great. He's like, I, it's, it's like weird because like, it's been a weird reverse thing where when I was younger, I understood why she didn't want him. And now that I'm older, I'm just like, but why wouldn't you want him? He comes when you call. (laughs) Like he's not, he's not going anywhere. That's an underrated quality. Yeah. That's, that's a guy who is going to be taking the kid to the park. The kid is strapped to his chest. Like he doesn't consider being with his children, babysitting. Like this Mm. is a, this is a, and I uh, also it's just funny that she like ended up with Steve who's just like what if what if Skipper was older and jaded but just like a different version of Skipper but had abs I guess yeah what if Skipper had abs (laughs) the main difference (laughs) so they couldn't save Steve in the end 
No, they couldn't. God. Anyway, yeah, Skipper's so hot in this movie. It was just, like, his skin was glowing. Yeah, he's probably about 14. (laughs) So he, so for some reason, Jeff Bridges has been working on a book for 14 years, (laughs) a book on math. And he's, like, doing this speech and his ex shows up. Mm-hmm. Also, his best friend is George Seagal, which I love. Every scene Me with too. him is a gift. He's so good. He's so good. Yeah. His, so his so his ex shows up and he sees her and he starts just like freaking out while giving like a speech at like his like book reception thing. And I just and and so we find out that it took him so long because women are just so distracting. <laughs> yeah. Which, what? Yeah, I feel like his backstory is that he's, like, kind of a sex addict or something. Like, he sees her sheer pantyhose walk into the room, and he can't handle it. And then suddenly he's nonverbal and powerless to resist. I mean, it is Elle McPherson, so Yeah, yeah. There was, yeah, she was, I, that's, like, a little bit, like, uh, I, I was not really aware of supermodels at all, but I was like, that's a supermodel. Because just based on, like, this is what supermodels looked like. I remember. Yeah. 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 She was the body. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and she's, you know, she's, she's beautiful. I don't know. The weird thing, a thing that I always come back to when I talk about romantic movies is that I'm just like, I don't know, man. Everybody seems hot to me. I don't really understand, like, all the fucking, (laughs) can everyone just relax? This is so true in this movie, too, because there's such a central makeover component, even though it occurs like pretty late in the film's plot. But and I'll I'll like enjoy anything that it takes a montage to describe. But when we finally get there, I'm sure we'll talk about it more like later on. But I just I'm delighted at how not different Barbara Streisand looks basically after all of these processes. You know, it's meant to be this really dramatic transformation. But I will say now Voyager, it is not because that is name dropped in the film. And now Voyager has an incredible, like totally transformative makeover for Betty Davis. But this is just like you put some lip gloss on, I guess. Yeah, it's just, (laughs) yeah, we'll get to it. But yeah, the the now Voyager name drop is, it's quite something. It definitely painted a picture. (laughs) It's like, it's not this movie. Yeah. So Barbara's unhappy. Jeff is unhappy. So Mimi Rogers and Pierce Brosnan get married. <laughs> and this is also a good introduction to Lauren Bacall in the film, who is kind of that quintessential film mother who's just like, why aren't things still about me? Mm-hmm. I thought that it would always be about me. Why is it not about me anymore? So we've got that going. And then Mimi Rogers just being like, I guess I'm going to marry Pierce Brosnan. I guess I'm going to marry James Bond. I guess that's that seems okay. And it, it's so weird how like she's just like, <laughs> Mimi's just like so uninterested in marrying him and yet doing it anyway. And I just don't understand what her deal is at all yeah and i mean isn't it made clear too that she stole him from rose that initially like rose was involved with the pierce brosnan character and then when she introduced him to her sister as one would have to do 
I would think, at a certain yeah. point in a relationship, you'd meet yeah. the immediate family members. And then he just dropped her for her sister, which I don't know how you come back from that. I'm sure it's a much more common experience than I realize as an only child, but I, it's unfathomable to me. I'm trying to think, like, I don't know if that's ever even happened. Like, my my little brother and I are close in age, and there was a thing where he was, like, dating my best friend, and, like, that annoyed me, and then then I wasn't best friends with that person anymore because they just started acting like an asshole once they started dating my brother. Mm. But I don't think I ever wanted to date my best friends. So it wasn't really that. Yeah, I've just never had that. The idea of co- competing with a... And also just like when I think about my little sisters, because there's a... there's a um Two of them are like, one's 13, one's 15. I can't imagine them having the same taste either. I mean, maybe it'll mm. happen like when they get older, but I just don't... Yeah, it, this always happens in movies and I don't get it because yes. once someone has had any kind of sexual contact with someone that I love, I don't think about that person that way anymore. That person has no sexual organs to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, in movies, it, it does feel like there's like 16 people. Like even movies like this that are set in New York City, they're like village movies where there's only so many possible eligible single people and they're probably going to be related. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. So, she, and even when they're getting married, Pierce Brosnan won't stop talking to Bab. So I'm just like, why? Right. What? <laughs> what is his? What is his deal? His character is hard to figure out. Yeah, I think he's just meant to be kind of a himbo. Yeah, isn't isn't that also his role in Mrs. Doubtfire? I feel like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's one of the origin himbos. And one of the original himbos. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Added so, to so his this, IMDb. <laughs> so this marriage happens and it's weird. And but and Babs is like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And Jeff Bridges is like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And then Mimi Rogers, like, okay, so Jeff Bridges puts an ad and he wants to date someone with like no sexual attraction involved. He wants companionship. Mm-hmm. And, and Mimi Rogers answers the ad for her sister, which just like feels like like a mean thing to do. Well, she's <laughs> kind of mean. Yeah, I mean, it's just like she's a mean sister. She's just like I don't know. Do something. It's just like in the middle of getting a massage when she gets the call. To yes, like... in one of the most insane looking apartments. I've ever seen in a movie with like dueling spiral staircases descending in the back of the frame. Like just the production design throughout the film, I find completely fascinating. Like I've never seen so much floral wallpaper in soft focus ever. And the fact that the whole movie takes place in Manhattan (laughs) looks like we're in some kind of like quaint B&B in Lancaster it's so strange. Yeah, I really am so curious about what apartments looked like during this time because like it was giving it was giving 70s. It was giving <laughs> like I don't know when that's supposed to be 70s early 80s. Maybe yeah. all the apartments are supposed to be out of date looking. I don't really understand what's going. On. Well, except for Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges has like a ridiculous this is normal. apartment. Yeah, this is normal. This is pretty much normal, which I think is just what they are supposed to look like. And then Lauren Bacall's obviously rent-controlled apartment looks 
it's ornate in a kind of shabby chic kind of way and I think we can associate that with like Rose's taste because when Rose does move in with her husband suddenly there's like lace curtains hanging like and like um various like tapestries (laughs) she's a kind of like undergrad boy taste for (laughs) putting fabric on the wall um just like whatever you like I guess um, and then wow. Mimi Rogers' apartment looks like Trump Tower. Like, I don't know what she's meant to do for a living. I don't remember. But yeah, um, she obviously is like, you know, when she's not pumping all this money into various cosmetic processes, she's pretty loaded. Yeah, it's very unclear what she does or why she seems to have more money than everyone else in her family. It's very confusing. Maybe she's just like been divorced. Maybe it's like a a Charlotte York kind of situation where you're divorced, but then you get this giant apartment. One of my favorite parts in Sex and the City is just sort of like bringing a guy home and him just not being able to believe that her apartment has so many rooms. Like, that's exactly what I would be doing. And she seems so annoyed by it, but it's like, no, that's a normal reaction to how fucking huge your apartment is. A hundred percent. Yeah, the dream, the career, the only dream job. That's what that's what I want. I want to be an I want to be an art curator <laughs> who's for some reason she just works at galleries. We're not sure what. And there's just, uh, yeah, I just need to get divorced. That's apparently how I'm going to get all of my money. I'm going to get divorced. I got to get married first then. Just give it, it, yeah, give it seven to ten years, and I'm confident that you can get there. I mean, I've been engaged twice. Third time's the charm. Or Wow, the there charm. you go. That's, Fully yeah. on the path. Yeah, except that you know, there are no adults in New York. I haven't seen them. Ask, or believe, receive. <laughs> So they enter, so Jeff Bridges and Babs, they enter into this relationship and it makes it, and suddenly it's so much easier for Jeff Bridges to do things. He can talk to his students like they're human mm-hmm. beings. He's writing mm-hmm. again. He's smiling. It's, it's, it's really lovely. And Babs, of course, is, it's interesting because she's falling in love, but she's also just very, she's very cautious. Like mm-hmm. there, and it's, it's such a, it's a really layered performance because it's like, mm-hmm. I love him, but I don't trust this mm-hmm. the whole time. Well, and I mean, then there's him who's just kind of just like, like not really thinking about what's happening, but it's like, she's aware of what's, and I feel like that's so real in the sense, this idea that like men sometimes, especially straight men just think, oh, things are just they're just gonna work themselves out they're just fine and meanwhile like women are just like juggling all these complicated conflicted feelings and then Mm. also not really wanting to like make them the man's problem even though Mm. they involve him Mm -hmm. yeah i mean she's improving his life in every facet right like teaching him how to be a better professor making these like incredible Martha Stewart like meals. I love that this is also one of the aspects of her character that she's this low key like domestic goddess and has clearly some like regimented food rituals but also takes a lot of pleasure in eating and she just sort of beautifies and offers companionship to his life in every way. Meanwhile, I think she always kind of knows that she wants him to desire her and he's said that that can't happen. 
And I think like a lot of women, like a lot of straight women or women who date men, she seems to proceed along the assumption or maybe just the hope that if she behaves in some like right combination of ways, he might make an exception and he might like come around and give her what she really wants, which of course he fails to do spectacularly. I I was feeling very called out by their dynamic, really. Like, I was just like, oh, no, no, I'm relating to this movie. Oh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Which part did you find yourself relating to? Just this idea of this, this, like, male concept of, like, there are the women that you can talk to intellectually. And there are the women who you have romantic relationships. And ne'er do the two meet. And And I notice this a lot, especially, like, as as a film critic in film intellectual spaces where I'll just be talking to men and men will just be like I I don't want to say bother like I like I find conversation annoying but like it'll just be like these constant long conversations about film and Mm -hmm. I'm just like and I'm and I'll be thinking like is this going anywhere or is this person just like texting me just like their random thoughts like I think I'd describe them to someone as like it's like they're tweeting but it's directly to me and I'm not Mm. really sure like is this a friendship what is going on Mm -hmm. like yeah it's just this very weird I don't know I just feel like it's a thing with like men especially straight men where they feel like if you can speak to a woman intellectually then that's all you do with her yeah. I mean, I don't know if you find this with straight male friends, but I, I've had a lot of close men in my life where I observe over years the kind of relationships that they have. And I just think, why would you not date a woman that you could be friends with, like that we could all be friends with instead of dating these women that you're obviously quite attracted to, understandably, but who you you don't seem to long to have conversations with and with whom it's kind of difficult to converse because you have nothing in common. Like that division, I just find infuriating. It is like, yeah, because if I'm having an intellectual conversation with like a handsome man and it's like going for days and days, hours and hours and hours, what I'm thinking is, okay, this is potentially something. And what they're thinking is, wow, this is a fun conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And isn't it so weird? I'm having this fun conversation with a lady. Oh like, my God. I feel like, like that what? sense of surprise is something that the movie registers so well, right? Like yeah. when he shouts at his students, my wife got this on our first date about like the sort of like prime number <laughs> yeah. theorem that his first book is devoted to exploring. Yeah. It's like Babs is playing this guy. It's so hard because it's Babs. But mm-hmm. like, because like it's like, it's her. Like, uh, I just, like what a goddess but like it's this thing where you know I don't know if you've ever been the kind of woman who guys will always just be like you're so real you're the realest person I ever met and it's like Mm. I have heard this so many times that's what this that this character is like like almost like supposed to be like a version of me where it's like he's talking to her and about her in a way where I'm just like Mm. oh ew Oh, ill. Yeah. Oh, ew. I hate this. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, what do you mean real? We're all real. What? What does that mean? <laughs> I think the first time I saw this movie, I reviewed it on Letterboxd and said something like, 
that this was a movie about women who just want to be called beautiful, actually. And I sort of, I find that to be true. I, I find, especially when I meet men for like the first time or whatever, they find out what I do or sort of like the kinds of things I like to do for fun or think about there. Yeah. There's often this kind of like, wow, you're so smart. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I know like that it's, I mean, at this point, I, it's not like I was an outdoorsy kid. Like I know what my sort of world (laughs) has been contoured by, but a thing you could tell me that maybe I, I, you know, would like to hear is that you think I'm beautiful or something, you know, if we're doing this in a romantic context, at least, though I understand that there's also a bit of phobia around objectification and social graces and politeness and all that kind of stuff and consent, like more important or critical issues. But it's just funny how modern that conversation is and how clearly it's delineated in this movie, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like what they have is like a really lovely relationship. They, They get married, which like Lauren Bacall does not understand, which like I'm it, it, you know, it's, it's confusing and it's a very much like a, like a very like low stakes, like at the courthouse kind of wedding, which I also think kind of speaks to like Babs's low self-esteem in this movie that she was just like, no, it's like, you could, it's not like it needed to be in like, of course, like she's Jewish. So it's not going to, you know, you could have it in, there's so many like older movies where it's just like in an apartment. It could have mm. just happened like in an apartment or something. Mm-hmm. It's like something, something low key like that, but just at the courthouse and then they get together and like, you can kind of tell that she is like getting, getting horny. And then their first night together, <laughs> This is when she they're like looking <laughs> looking for movies to watch and it's like this and there's like they mentioned like Lawrence Arabia and now Voyager and of course they end up watching Lawrence Lawrence of Arabia because it's the longest and they're just hoping that it'll just they'll just be so tired by the end of it that they won't even have to think about the fact that they're not fucking and I love how they have just like two beds like they like we're watching I Love Lucy yeah exactly. <laughs> Like, I understand there's no, but it's so weird that you can't even sleep together. Like, right. <laughs> like you, these are your bodies. You're just going to try to pretend that you don't. Like, the way that they are trying to avoid their bodies in this partnership mm-hmm. was like, it was, it was bound to blow up because mm-hmm. what? What? <laughs> yeah, bad. they also, it's like, they clearly just have her move into his apartment, so did he just order a second bed? Like, how how are we meant to understand that there were already these, like, perfect Nick and Nora beds <laughs> set up in his bedroom? I don't know. But we do, I think, get these scenes of, like, increasing sexual frustration from her that are so, like, tragic and funny simultaneously. And I'm thinking of when she's helping him work out and he's just doing like calisthenics in his living room um, in a tank and looking, I mean, pretty great. Like I have to say. Jeff Bridges is so hot. Yeah. He's really handsome. Like the movie's not wrong about that. And she then is like massaging a like pulled muscle in his back or something. And it seems like they would make out it's kind of like a sweaty intimate close moment and then he pulls away and is immediately like i better take a shower so it also i think raises this proposition that 
he might be attracted to her too and just not know what to do with it or be concerned that if he gives into it, this relationship will devolve into chaos the way that apparently the rest of his relationships have. Yeah, it just he just can't be near a woman. <laughs> like, it's just gonna... It's like the movie Shame for him. <laughs> yeah, unless he's just totally broing down with her and that's it. You know? Just getting fed like getting lessons in pedagogy, you know, like having someone sit on his feet while he does sit-ups, all things that are worthwhile aspects of companionship, but she's just like you should probably fuck me too. Yeah, no, I mean that would be great. Like so eventually, you know, it it, it all boils over as it were and she and she, you know, she makes a she makes a move for it and that's and that's that's the big breakup moment because mm-hmm. she goes after him. He's into it. He doesn't want to be into it, but she doesn't. See- the thing is also is that she doesn't seem to know that he's into it, and that's yeah. the problem. She's just she's so insecure. Like, yeah. yeah, she's just like, oh, he must be grossed out, and it's like, no, he's sweating. Like this man is sweating. Yeah. He does not know what to do. And so then he just like freaks out and he's just like, I thought that you knew and the, this arrangement and blah, 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 and it's just math. I don't know. It's just like, okay, guy. And then he goes on like, what is he? Is he going on like a book tour? Is that what he yeah, goes on? Yeah, he's doing a series of like guest teaching appointments throughout Europe in the summer. Nothing about his academic, well, or either of them, nothing about their academic lives makes sense. The fact that she no. cancels her summer classes, you can't do that. No, no, that's crazy. No. Yeah, so- uh, European book door, you don't get that. You don't get a book release in a church with like like champagne and like a full audience for a math book. Absolutely not. Not even at Columbia. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like <laughs> No, it was wild. Yeah, no, it was crazy. So he's like gone and she like this is when she starts spending more time with her mother and just being like basically, you know, all of her insecurities are coming out. You are the mm. hot one. My sister's the hot one. I'm the ugly one. Like mm. this whole thing. She makes this decision where she's just like, you know what? I'm going to be the hot one. <laughs> yeah, cue our second montage. If the first montage in the film is her and Jeff Bridges kind of falling in love, which I found so sweet. They're just kind of gallivanting around New York, doing stuff together, hanging out in the park, whatever. That's all really beautiful. Super, and then the second one cute. is so cute. Her transformation, which consists of like aerobics classes, hairs, hair and nails, yeah, makeup she, lessons she, i guess i think she, she gets a little highlight under her brow bone yeah That's... she she cuts her hair <laughs> she like lightens it so it's mm-hmm. like more blonde she just starts she also starts dressing in like a very like 90s hot girl way she experiments like with eating disorder just mm-hmm. everything, everything yeah she really need. does all of that which reminds me i totally forgot to mention the part at, near the beginning where jeff bridges is like feeling like shit because um because Elle McPherson is like Elle McPherson basically is just like oh yeah I'm just I'm just fucking you because like I feel bad or whatever and he's just like what what (laughs) and he's like well can I call you and she's like what for yeah (laughs) and then that line that line comes back but after that he like calls this like sex hotline where the image in the I checked the 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 woman in the commercial for it is Mila Jovovich. Amazing, <laughs> actually, 
but then of course when he calls it's like just like this this ordinary woman just like being like very baffled by his line of questioning that's such a weird scene i love it and she's the reason he puts an ad out she's like put your own ad out then yeah she's just like whatever man like i'm just like okay great idea I really, I wanted to hang out with her as well. I know. <laughs> she just I puts know. that voice on. I'm just like, wow, what a queen. It's great. <laughs> See, gonna sitting ask at an, yeah. <laughs> sitting at the table, just like playing Doing cat's string. cradle with the string. Yeah. Aren't, aren't you going to ask how big my tits are? <laughs> he's like, no, like totally outraged, even though he's the one calling like a 1-900 line. This man, ridiculous. So yeah, so she she has her transformation. He's on his book tour. He's so he just gets increasingly angrier because it keeps on calling. And Lauren Bacall's just like she's not available right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love Lauren Bacall in this movie. Just big like I I like like it was like a, doing a whole like uh, it's it's the picture that got small kind of thing yeah she is doing a little Gloria Swanson yeah yeah which I mean you know what she's right the pictures did get small I mean I do think that the that moment when Rose comes home and she's really like before this is pre-makeover and she's like what was it like to be beautiful and Bacall's like come on like don't ask me this stupid question she's like no really like to have people look at you want to be around you and the camera holds on Bacall's face while her eyes water. And it really seems, at least to me, like such a genuine moment. And like the fact that there are pictures of like young Lauren Bacall framed all around the space of the apartment too. And that we know that that's what she looked like because she's been famous like her whole life. Yeah. What what was it like for Lauren Bacall to be so beautiful and then to be older? Because that's the comparison that the movie seems to be interested in too, not just being attractive and unattractive but being young and being old and like what changes when people no longer want to sort of be in the warmth of your company and when she says it was wonderful like it's just a little bit authentic and heartbreaking I think yeah I mean obviously she's still beautiful but there's definitely yeah you know a a difference in how you're treated and You know, and understanding that time is slipping away. And also, like, later on, her mentioning, essentially, like, yeah, I didn't really love your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, wow. Also, while this is happening, Mimi Rogers is bored of Pierce Brosnan. And he's just kind of like a himbo just looking around for something to do. He's so bored. <laughs> he's so bored. And he keeps on just, like, being like, hey, Babs, what's up? Yeah, and once he sees that she's turned her look around, he's like, wow, that one missing piece has fallen into place. Like, let's uh, try again. Yeah. <laughs> so she considers that. And of course, you know, like uh, Jeff Bridges comes back and they have their they have their moment where Jeff Bridges like sees her mm-hmm. and he's just like, what is this? This is not what I signed up for. This is not my wife. Who is this completely different woman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're a ridiculous person. Like, what a ridiculous totally. person. <laughs> what a ridiculous thing to go on. And then she and then she dumps him. And it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful moment. Because she's just like, I want 
the romance. I want yes. somebody to really want me. I want them to be hungry for me. I want them. I want to hear the music and like the whole. Yes. It's such a great speech because like, yeah, girl, same. <laughs> Totally. And when I was watching it this time, I was really thinking about the speech that Carrie makes to the Baryshnikov character, Petrovsky, in Mm -hmm. season six of Sex and the City, when she's like, I want love, real blah, 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 love. And um, and she's like, it's not in this beautiful hotel room with you. Like, I, I love that speech and how, like, demanding and specific and... Maybe a little bit corny, but only in the sense of like melodrama being sort of blown out and sensational already kind of way. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. feels like a total prototype for that moment when she's just like, this is everything I want and I deserve it. It's true. And she does. Like you, you, you understand her. And it's just like, and it's also a great moment of her just like realizing I can have that. I thought that I couldn't have that, but I actually can. Exactly. Yeah. It was actually really inspiring for me as a person who has been terrified of turning 30 my entire life. And then just being like, oh, yeah, there's just there's a bunch of other shit. Like, totally. It's not it's not not over. It's I don't know. But it makes you feel like there's so many kind of like uh, Mm. contributing factors that makes you feel like it is Mm -hmm. like you like like the first 10 years of your adulthood is the only 10 years that matters. Mm, yeah yeah I do think this movie is really concerned with that kind of transition from thinking everything is ahead of you to a dawning comprehension that some of it's behind you like for better and worse and so it kind of like changes the way I don't I don't know if necessarily it adds an urgency but I think it just also like makes you very aware of when your time is being wasted which is essentially what he's doing he's wasting her time when she could be getting railed like she should exactly. be getting railed she's Barbara Streisand <laughs> totally TikTok you know let's go <laughs> totally um, yeah so that's that's beautiful and of course we have the pretty like prototypical kind of like rom-com scene where she gets what she she gets what she thought she wanted mm-hmm. and it's also just kind of mid because mm-hmm. Pierce is just like he's just a guy <laughs> At the end of the day, he's just a guy. He's handsome, but he's just a dude. I love in that scene when they're kind of like about to be making out on this couch and they're smoking cigarettes like four inches from each other's faces. And she's like, I only smoke when I'm with you, which is like, okay, that's a red flag. And what he does, which is so funny to me, is he pitches his cigarette. And I think it's meant to imply that it goes into the fireplace directly across from them. But the way the scene plays out, he just throws it. He just throws the lit cigarette in his own apartment. It looks completely deranged. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with that moment. He's yeah, man, that apartment. I would I would like to die in that apartment. Like if I'm like on the verge of death somebody should just take me to an apartment it's just like being like just like give me like go and watch a movie let me die in your apartment real quick they're plush (laughs) oh man yeah so i mean of course we we kind of know how this kind of movie ends it has a very there's a very like beautiful almost like moonstruck kind of ending, oh totally I, I was thinking about moonstruck but like because yeah. it's like he 
Jeff Bridges realizes his mistake, and of course, Lauren Bacall has like complicated things by being like, she's with Pierce Brosnan now, and like that's not actually true. And then he like, <laughs> and George Seagal's just like, you want her? I've known this the whole time. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, you dummy. <laughs> and and so he goes and he tries to see her and it's like it's like six in the morning and i love that the doorman's just like why are you trying to get into this building at six in the morning this is not an this is not the correct hour for you to be showing yes (laughs) the doorman's like fighting him and that's like it makes me think of bridget jones (laughs) yes yes just so much bridget jones nonsense yeah oh great movie where he's just trying to get to her. God, I love Bridget Jones. He's just trying to get to her and she notices that he's fighting for her and everybody in the building is waking up and opening their windows and like, oh man, that's beautiful. Everybody's waking up and shit and she's and she's just like, she's just like floating on air. She's like, I'm just going to take my time coming down here. <laughs> I am being fought for, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up. Yeah, good thing she wore her fancy white silk pajamas to bed that night. It's almost like she knew. White pajamas, that's what I need. I need some, that's how I, that's, that's, that should be the next thing that I give her. Just some pajamas. That's a real, like, I'm a, I'm a lady. I'm a grown woman kind of thing to have. Yeah. Instead of just like wearing like an, yes. a t-shirt with Nicolas Cage on it, which is often what I sleep in. <laughs> So they have the moment where he's just like, I love you. And he does the declaration and she's just sitting there just like, yes, yes, just beaming. And then there's a guy in the window who like is an opera singer and he starts singing. And I'm just like, this is the best shit ever, man. I love this. Yeah, (laughs) that is so complicated. And I do think the inclusion of Puccini obviously brings up Moonstruck and she mentions Puccini like in her lecture right she says and I again I love this an Ivy League professor says I read an article recently and it said and it doesn't make any citational reference to like where is the article written who wrote this article what was it about it's just like something you saw like in the paper like what are we even talking about here but She's like, that when you're in love with someone, you should hear Puccini. And she cites this in the lecture as this thing of like, it sets up an unrealistic expectation that could prevent us from enjoying perhaps more mundane, but no less satisfying forms of affection and relationality. And and so then when we hear the Puccini, it's actually the second time we've heard, it's from Turando, right? Because um, it's also in a Mission Impossible, it's in so many movies, but it's in a Mission Impossible movie. That's why I remember it. But the first time we hear it, I think, in the film is when Jeff Bridges is like freaking out at his computer trying to work. And we hear it like kind of non-diegetically and he starts like ripping all the tapestries off the walls in his apartment, trying to like exercise the memory of his hot, long gone wife. So it's funny that it comes up again at the end and that that the name of that song translates to like let no one sleep or like none shall sleep or something and that it's like dawn at that moment Mm -hmm. in the movie. And I never know if that guy's singing in the apartment or if he's lip syncing to a record because we also see... A Pav- I think it's a Pavarotti or a Puccini recording, like the vinyl sleeve is like in the frame. So I'm like, is he just listening to music really loud and like lip syncing? It's just an incredibly zany moment. And yeah. I love the sort of like wackiness of it that just totally persists through the end credits too when they like dance in the street. Yeah, it's really beautiful. This, this is such, rewatching this movie is so interesting because I feel 
like when I suggested that we do an episode on it, I had totally forgotten how I felt about it. I just knew mm. that it was something that I wanted to talk about on the show. And now that I've watched it again, it's just like, this is, this is like, this, this has a lot of problems, but it's also a banger. <laughs> totally. Totally. I, I think it's fabulous. I was trying to see what critics had said about it, like when it came out. And there are, there are some pretty like, crazy pans which are not really worth repeating but roger ebert really liked it and said this is a moving and challenging movie fascinated by the murky depths that separate what people want from what they say they want and what they think they should want and i think that's totally right that like Mm -hmm. that kind of triangulation is something the movie is actually pretty insightful about in a way that's a little bit more complicated and like less pat than a lot of romantic comedies even since yeah yeah i yeah this is definitely one that that's really worthy of reevaluation. oh man i would love i would love to watch a rep screening of this i was just thinking i just oh, watched me too i just watched a rep screening of the heartbreak kid it was like a full theater oh in Brooklyn. like yeah like they ran out of seats we were all it was, i bet it was so Wow, I just loved it so much, like so much more on the big screen because I just watched it the YouTube rip that everybody has been. Yeah, watching I was about to years. say it's it's so hard to see. I'm not surprised at all, but I'm thrilled to hear that that was so well attended. Was Richard Brody there? I don't know. I hope he was. <laughs> I bet he was. It was yeah, and it's uh now i now i really want to program this that's that's what i (laughs) which i've never said at the end of an episode before (laughs) even for it really would be so fun to see on a big screen and in a theater because there's so much like comedy in it that is it's just it needs to be experienced in a theatrical or like a collective setting i think yeah 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 i think that that'd be great i also just I'm a big Barbara Streisand of evangelist. Even before I decided this is like a thing that I've been talking about for a bit, which is a weird thing to mention casually, that I'm planning on converting to Judaism in the next few years. But even Oh, wild. But even before that, I was obsessed with her. And then when I decided that that this is something that I want to do, I was like, okay, it's all coming into place. Like <laughs> that I just, that this random girl from the South, this random black girl from the South is obsessed with Barbara Streisand. Like me watching Yentl just fucking getting my life. Like what a film. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, I love Barbara Streisand and I'm so happy that I could have you on. It's, it's, it's so good. You're such it's a It's a thrill. Guest. Oh my gosh. I'm, I was so thrilled that you reached out because when you tweeted, like, who wants to do an episode on this? I, I, I didn't slide into your DMs, but I did fully like face plant in your replies. And I'm just ecstatic. I think this movie is, it has everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie I, has everything. I had just read your piece on him that rocks the cradle. Cause I, cause I hosted a screening of it. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. You introduced the film. How did that go? It was really fun. There was like a drunk lady who was getting very, very cantankerous. <laughs> but like really? that, that just kind of made it more exciting. Like, yeah, it's, it's such, it's the weirdest movie ever to have a belligerent drunk woman. <laughs> For the, yeah. Rocks the cradle of all things. 
I know. That's like being drunk and like putting lifetime on when you get home or something. Like, like that... why would you do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lifetime is for when you're depressed with your friends. Yeah. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so where can listeners find you? I mean, aside from at in Rhode Island, which I now want to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Find me in Rhode Island. No, definitely don't. No one is invited to find me in Rhode Island. I'm on I'm on Twitter for now at Gudomako. I know it's G-U-T-O-M-A-K-O. It's the same handle on Instagram. A lot of my writing is at brightwalldarkroom.com. And you can also hear me on the Brightwall Darkroom podcast. And my personal website is a Tumblr, which I I always thought was just kind of funny because I'm from like original Tumblr generation, but now has become increasingly sort of like re in style, but it's vfits.tumblr.com. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, please, please reach out to her, read her work. It's great. This has been the Bad Romance Podcast. Thank you so much to our patrons for supporting especially the patrons that are still around even though we've had these like wild gaps and like recording schedules our theme song is done by clutch douglas beautiful seattle band who gave us this music for free and it has and has like very much improved the show please give us a rating on apple Podcasts. we're there we're on spotify we're on stitcher drink your water Take care of yourself, watch this movie, and thank you again, Veronica, for being on. Oh, thank you so much. I'm Jordan Searles, and we'll see you next episode, or hear us, whichever. Oh, yeah, back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Oh, yeah, back it up.